0: What's going to develop as a three-part sermon series, that if I was naming it, I would name it Knowing God. And that's the context that's kind of laid on my heart. That's the objective behind it, is to deepen our communion with the Father and learn of Him. And uh, as I say that, to, to, to understand who God is, His nature, His attributes, and so that we can communicate and commune with Him. Uh, not from a position of ignorance, but a position of some place of understanding, and so uh, I do believe that God has a word for you today. We've been last week. I began as we looked at the name of God. We'll talk more about that today. Then we're going to really point it in a certain and particular direction. So, if you found John's Gospel, I'll ask you once again to honor the Word of God. It's our tradition here at First Assembly by standing. We're going to read in verse number fifty-two. Here it says. Then said the Jews unto him, him being Jesus, the Jews being the Pharisees, this particular moment in this conversation, now we know that thou hast a devil. It'd be hard to preach if your listening audience is accusing you of having a devil, but Jesus is not deterred. They said, Abraham is dead and the prophets, and thou sayest, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. And so they said, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead, and the prophets are dead, whom makest thou thyself? So surely they're asking that by Jesus' doctrine, who are you saying that you are? There's a veiled underlying thought in Jesus' teaching that becomes clear, more clear in John's gospel than in any other. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who, that honoreth me. Jesus said, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. Now, I want to be, I could stop right there. I want to be able to say that, don't you? Now, I don't want to speak of someone else's faith. I'm not trying to be as aggressive as Jesus is of saying that you do not know him. But I want to be able to say I know him, that I know the Father today, that I can commune with him. I understand at whatever level of, of uh, understanding God gives me concerning who he is, I can commune with him based upon some measure of that understanding. I, he said, now listen, if I should say, let's continue this. Jesus said, if I should say I know him not, he says, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and I keep and keep his saying. This is a key verse that we're going to look at here in just a little while. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Stop right there. This is a key scripture. And understanding who the person of Christ is. And the the bold, provocative faith that is being exercised by Jesus to make the assertion that he's about to make right here. For they've said, you cannot have seen Abraham because you're 50 years old and less. Jesus said this though, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. That's a very important statement that we're going to try to tap into. One additional verse that I'll read, to turning to, and it'll be on the screen for you, is found in Hebrews chapter number 1. It's the fourth verse. It's going to create for us the title. The title is going to be in context with what's been read here shortly. The fourth verse of Hebrews 1 says, being made so much better than the angels. This is Jesus we're speaking of here who is being identified as the son in this passage, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Isn't that powerful? Can y'all read that with me one more time? Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And so today, I would like to speak to you from that context, a more excellent name. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and I'm so humbled to be here, to have the privileged opportunity to look across this great congregation of men and women, Father God, young men, young ladies, senior saints among us who are all zealous for you. Father, they've come to this house today with an expectation upon them. Father, I pray that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eye of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of your calling and the riches of the glorious inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. It's in his powerful name I pray and all God's people said, amen. Now this is just a quick lead in. Now I was just teasing. Alyssa quickly shot back at me. But I spent six hours in sermon preparation, six and a half hours in sermon preparation on Friday morning. I didn't come into the church until I finished, did not go downstairs. Sherry didn't know if I was alive or dead, but I was locked in in pursuit of this word. Alyssa was to uh, uh, FaceTime us later, and she was asked what I had done that morning, and I said, well, I said, I'm just being honest, I spent six hours in sermon preparation because I can't have just a simple life skill message like y'all will have at y'all's church this week. I've got to have some depth to what I'm going to share because I have a people that have some understanding and they want to know God more intimately. They want to grow. I don't care how old you are. You may have come in here like this this morning, but inside you is a desire that says, God, I want to know you. I want to commune with you and fellowship with you. Now, if you were not with us last week, I shared with you in that context of one of the ways that God has chosen to reveal himself is through his name. And I broke it down for you, line upon line, precept upon precept, as I could understand it. Now, I'm in no wise, I'll say it again as a uh, a cop-out, if you would, that I'm in no wise a Greek or a Hebrew scholar. I struggle with good English, and I know that. But at the same time, I, I can study, and I can read, and I can enter into other men's labors. And I can't stand up here and say that I can pronounce Greek names accurately or Hebrew names accurately, but I, I, I believe that you'll get the gist of it. That's the objective in the first place. And we went to the name of El, E-L, in the original language, for that's for which the name of God is translated. And we broke it down, Elohim, Creator, he revealed himself to Abraham and the patriarchs as El Shaddai, the Almighty One or the Mighty God, and then he appeared to Jacob and confirmed a covenant that he had made with Abraham. And he also then appeared to Moses and he revealed that the name of what we call Yahweh. We'll talk about that a little bit later. It's only four consonants in the Hebrew alphabet. There was no vowels. That the actual pronunciation of it has been lost to history for in the 2nd century AD the Jews of that era chose to no longer pronounce the name of God lest they break the commandment the 10 commandments that says thou shalt take the lord shall not take the lord thy god's name in vain so we really to this day do not know the exact pronunciation of his name but we say Yahweh is more familiar that's the transliteration of the name Yahweh Y H W Age, as we see it, given to us uh, in the Scripture. But from that, though, we went a little bit and we broke that down, and I had a lot of fun preaching it because I like because it reveals. If you see that when was translated as Jehovah, that's more the English translation. That when we see that there's what's called the compound names of God, and in those compound names of God was a revelation of the character of God, because usually it was associated with a moment in the life of a patriarch or a prophet that that name was captured almost like by a a photograph in time. But it would always continue to read. You can always go back to it. Because let me say this. The Bible says in Hebrews that God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so if he was Jehovah Shalom to Gideon, he's your peace today. Come on, somebody. Amen. And so that was at the heart of the message. And so, but we're going to go a little bit farther. I'm not going to retrace all of that, though I'll have to some. I encourage you to go back and listen to it it's on our podcast. But number two, I want to talk about the name of Jesus today. Now, I like to say the name of Jesus with a little bit of Southern swagger to it, we don't just say Jesus. sauce. We say Jesus, right? We say it with a little bit of emphasis as a preacher, Jesus. And we all pronounce it a little bit differently, but I want to take you into it for just a moment because it is a more excellent name. It is a name that the Bible says in the book of Philippians, every knee is going to bow before one day and everyone is going to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's go a little bit farther. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting, but that's all right. I'm used to it. In the Hebrew, again, for just a moment, the name of Jesus is actually Yeshua. Now, that's, with, um, co- that, that's not with, uh, without contradiction and conflict. If you read it, and there's some contradiction of whether or not the, that Jesus was uh, w- w- the Hebrew, because that's the actual same word that's translated Joshua. We have to remember both in the Hebrew and the Greek, there's not a J in the alphabet. And a J was not added to the English alphabet till 1600 uh, AD. And so we could see that the term that you and I are more familiar with, Jesus, is not actually the name that has been spoken for thousands of years. But actually, it was Yeshua in the Hebrew, it was Jesus. In the Greek, not Jesus or but Jesus. It's I E S O U S, but the I is pronounced with the yay. But you and I, we pronounce it as the English translation of Jesus. It actually means Jehovah is salvation so if jehovah is yahweh then it means yahweh is salvation and that's really unique to us it's very important as we begin to understand this because the name of jesus that the bible says he obtained by inheritance came with a certain significance even before his birth you may go back into the Gospels, and you can find both Luke's record and Matthew's record of when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, there was a prophetic declaration about the babe that was going to be conceived in the womb of Mary, and there was something associated with it. It wasn't just his destiny, but it was his name. There was a revelation of who God is tied to that name that was going to be given to this baby that had no earthly father. And we can read in Luke's gospel that spoken to Mary. The scripture says, call his name Jesus. We're going to say Jesus because we're all English here. But if it was Greek, it would have been Jesus. If it was Hebrew, it would have been Yeshua. But we can all say Jesus today, correct? Let's go a little bit farther. He said, call his name Jesus, he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. Let's go a little bit farther. And so when Joseph discovers what's taking place, you remember, he's thinking about putting Mary away because he doesn't believe that she's actually conceived a child by the Holy Ghost. But God came to him in a dream, spoke to him by a dream, and here's what the Lord spoke to Joseph. She, being Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou, you, Joseph, shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins and so there's a correlation from the name of Yahweh which is salvation Jehovah is salvation and the name of Jesus let's go a little bit farther Luke 2 and 21 says that eight days after the, his birth at his circumcision the scripture says that they called him Jesus because he was named of the angel listen to this even before he was conceived in the womb God had already given him his name And you may remember in that scriptural text in Matthew's narrative, remember Matthew is a Jew writing to a Jewish audience attempting to convince them that Jesus is the Messiah. When Matthew records the dream that God appeared to Joseph in, he also attaches with it a connection of the name of Jesus to a prophetic name that we're familiar with in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah had said that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And so we think about that, that, that would would not be that his name would be exactly Emmanuel, but it would carry the same meaning that God would be with us. And so when you go back to Isaiah's uh, The prophetic writings of Isaiah you have that passage that his name shall be called Emmanuel for a virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son and he will be given the name Emmanuel but he also writes later in Isaiah 9 and 6 a a, a connection to that child that will be named Emmanuel he said his name shall be called now listen to this because we're talking about a more excellent name today we're talking about a name that is above every name we're talking about a name today that demons tremble we're talking about a name today that gives you and I access to the presence of God we're talking about a name come on somebody that's above every name listen here's what Isaiah said Isaiah saw a little glimpse of the name of Jesus and Isaiah said this his name shall be called wonderful his name shall be called counselor his name shall be called the mighty God his name shall be called the everlasting father and his name shall be called the Prince of Peace now, I've often read this this way. You may read it differently. But when I read the gospel narrative of when the angel appeared, why didn't the, God, the angel repeat what Isaiah said? Why didn't he say, Mary, call him wonderful? Call it, he did. He said, call him Jesus. Because contained in the name of Jesus is the revelation that God is wonderful. God's the counselor. He's a mighty God. He's the everlasting father. And he's the prince of peace. And you and I call him Jesus today. Hallelujah. He is Emmanuel, God with us. I want to take a moment to just connect to the text in John 8 for just a moment. By saying to the Pharisees on that day, Before Abraham was I am, Jesus was to a degree, we won't develop this thought today, revealing his divinity. Now let it be known today that Jesus was all man, complete man. He died on the cross. Blood flowed out of his body. He had fleshly appetites yet he knew no sin. He was the son of man but we recognize today he had a dual nature. He was also the son of God and so he had a divine nature as well and in that moment Jesus is revealing to his listening audience that he though he is the son of man he's also the son of God and he's making himself Paul said in Philippians 2 that he made himself equal with i all with me I'm preaching I'm just y'all stay with me so the name of Jesus in this moment and Jesus his person he is associating his person and his name with God And you can see why that would create a reverberation of unbelief and anger and frustration to the Jews who don't even want to pronounce the name of God that is so holy to this man who's making an association that that one that they don't even want to pronounce his name is his father. And he is in essence making himself equal to that one that we call God. And so I want to connect to this phrase, I am, for just a moment. I'm going to preach about it in greater depth next week, but you've got to understand it for just a little bit. Now, many believe that the name Yahweh or Jehovah that I preached about last week is a direct correlation to this phrase, I am. Where does that come from? You may remember, I took you in Exodus 6 to when God revealed the name Jehovah to Moses when he was frustrated when he was in... a process of seeing Israel delivered from Egypt. Does anybody remember that? In Exodus chapter number 6, God told Moses, he said, up until this time, I've only been known as God Almighty, El Shaddai, to Abraham, to Isaac, to all the patriarchs. I was known only as El Shaddai. He said, but from this day forward, I'm going to reveal to you my name, Yahweh. We're calling him Jehovah. You may remember that. But see, that was a to fulfill something that had taken place days or weeks earlier when Moses was on the backside of the Sinai desert and the glory of God was seen in a burning bush. You remember when Moses was instructed to take the shoes off of his feet for the ground upon which he was standing was declared holy. And God had given Moses instruction, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to bring out my people who have been held in bondage. And Moses is stammering and he's stuttering. He knows he's going to be asked, who is this God that appeared to you? And God said to him, you just tell him. Because Moses asked. He said, God, who do I tell him? You'd ask that too. If an invisible God spoke to you out of a burning bush and spoke to you about your destiny and your future and the future, of a, of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people you would say who do i tell them sent me and god said just tell them i i am now in the hebrew that literally could be interpreted as well i will be in essence god was saying i'm the all-sufficient one we sing about it i'm whatever they need me to be God was simply saying, I'm whatever that they need me to be. But many scholars tell us uh, that the name Yahweh that we see later being used uh, and the the name I am, there's a direct correlation based upon the spelling of Yahweh and the Hebrew word that is translated I am or I will be. But I can't take you into that today. I lack the understanding. I can read it and understand it, but I can't correlate it to you you'll have to go and study that out on your own but we can understand today that anytime the term i am is used it is in the same context as yahweh or jehovah you and i say lord because that's the translation in the english so to, when jesus is saying i am before abraham was are y'all with me here today before he was saying i was there in that burning bush Because me and my father are. So when Jesus says that to the Pharisees, I'm telling you he's making an association with God. So why wouldn't he today? Because his name, the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, was received by inheritance. And the writer of Hebrews tells us it's a more excellent name. Oh, I thank God for the name of Jesus. What I told you last week, now, I, I found myself in that sweet place in preaching. It doesn't come all the time, but it comes sometimes. And when you find it, I'm telling you, it's a moment where you preach yourself happy. What you're saying is edifying the people, but I'm telling you it's building up the preacher at the same time. And when I think about the divine attributes of God being revealed to me through his glorious name, and now I know him through that name that has been received by inheritance, the name that I've been exhorted by Jesus himself. Jesus said, in that day, don't ask me anything. Jesus said, don't ask me a thing. He said, you ask the Father in my name. So when I think about that I have access to Yahweh God by virtue of the person and the name of Jesus Christ, I don't know about you, but I'm going to get happy when I think about the name of Jesus. So the question I have for you today, is there a prophetic connection to the person of Jesus Christ and the compound names of God? Do y'all remember that I preached to you the compound names of God? Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Nisi, compounded, the name Jehovah compounded, added to with another name, revealing to us his divine attributes and his divine character. Why is that important? Jesus said, I know him. I know him. God wants you to know who he is. God wants you to be moved in your understanding because God does not want you to approach him in unbelief and ignorance. God wants you to approach Him based upon an understanding of the Word of God, communing with Him based upon what He's already previously said and declared. God is a God that watches over His Word. It will not return to Him void, but it will accomplish what He has sent it forth into the earth to do. You know what moves God when a man or a woman of God approaches God based upon what He's already previously spoken and declared by His own mouth? And when God declares that He'll not change it? He'll not change it. And so, listen, don't sit here in unbelief or in ignorance. I'm going to tell you, you'll never get anything from God. You'll never know God intimately, and you'll never be the person God has called you to be. But when you learn of Him, and you learn of His divine nature, and you approach Him based upon what He said by His word, then you'll uh, you'll have that grace that Jesus said and that confidence that Jesus had when He said, I know Him. See, to the Jew, he was veiled in the tabernacle. To the Jew, he was veiled in the temple. But Jesus said, before there was an earth, I was with him, and I know him. And you can know him, too. You can walk with him and talk with him and fellowship with him. Let me tell you who he is today. He's Jehovah Nisi. Now, we read about that last week, and that was found in the book of Exodus. And that was when there was war with the Amalekites, and Israel, when Moses held up his hand by the aid of Aaron and her, the Scripture says that there was a great victory. So they established a banner, and they called that Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is our banner, or some say the Lord is our victory. So I'm trying to see is there a correlation to the name of God and the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Well, I want to say this about Jesus. First of all, let me tell you about Jesus. He is victorious today. So that Jehovah Nissi means victory, and so Jesus is victorious. He's victorious over death, over hell, over the grave. He's victorious over the devil and demons. And let me say this, and even of the world, and I love this verse here. In John 16 and 33, Jesus said, In the world you shall have tribulation. He said, But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Did you know that word overcome in the Greek is nikiel? And we get an English equivalent of Nike out of it. And it simply means victory. Victory. So Jesus said, be of good cheer because I've got the victory over the world. And so let me say this to you today, that if you're in Christ Jesus, you can say with Paul, thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because of the victory, because Jehovah Nisi found its place of fulfillment in the person of Christ, Paul said God always causes us to triumph through Christ Jesus. And I said it last week, I'll say it again, you and I are more than conquerors today. I love that because in that passage Paul said it doesn't matter whether I live or I die. It doesn't matter whether I'm stoned or whether I am sawn asunder or whether I live my life out until my ancient uh, days. He said it matters not. Through Christ Jesus, uh, the world can't. You know, the old song we used to sing said, the joy that I have, uh, the world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. You know why? Because Jesus is victorious today, and because he's victorious, I'm victorious, and I celebrate him in this house. Number two, Jehovah Rapha. Does anybody remember that? Jehovah Rapha is Exodus 15 and 26. God God told ancient Israel, he said, if you'll obey the law, he said, then I will not put any of the diseases upon you that I put upon the Egyptians. He said, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord thy God, who healeth thee. How many believe that Jesus is a healer today? When you read the word of God, you see Jesus healing the sick. But let me tell you today, I believe that healing is a covenant promise that belongs to the children of God. And I'm telling you, whenever you're sick or there's sickness in your house, you have a covenant promise revealed in the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's read two verses of Scripture real quickly today. All we can do is glean across these on top just to confirm to you that I believe that Jesus Christ is the prophetic fulfillment of the name of Yahweh, the Jehovah, who we uh, are speaking of today. Matthew 8 and 16, when the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, 17th verse is the key, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying what? Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And so what I'm saying to you today is that Jesus Christ is a healer, right? The Bible says in First Peter 2 and 24, by whose stripes ye were healed. I believe all of us need a point of faith whenever we're going through sickness. And the point of faith should not be doctors. Pastor Brown, you say, are you again? No, I'm for doctors. I thank God for them. I pray for them. Don't you? But the point of faith should not be medicine. Should not be in modern technology. But the point of faith is that he's Jehovah, jo- he's Jehovah Rapha. He's the Lord who heals. He was 2,000 years ago when he walked to Galilee and seaside and he healed those that were in need of healing. And he's your healer today. And when you approach God, you approach him in the name of Jesus. You're saying, God, I'm trusting you for divine healing and virtue in my life. Let's go both farther. That's great right there. Jehovah Shalom. You remember that? That's when God revealed to Gideon, he said, I'm Jehovah Shalom. I'm your peace. What does peace mean but Mediation. Mediation, peace means that there are two opposing opposites. There's a contention and strife, but peace comes in and brings a settlement. Let's take a moment, look at a passage of Scripture and see if Jesus is our peace. Ephesians 2, 11 through seven through 18 for just a moment. We're going to read it quickly. Just follow it with me. Remember that you, I love this. I had to back up and catch this. This is one of, I don't like to say one of my most favorite passages in all the Word of God because it's all the Word of God. From the begets. To the book of Leviticus, to Jesus revealed in Ephesians. Wherefore, remember that you, being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, that's called that way by the, you're called uncircumcision by the circumcision. He's saying the Jew calls you an uncircumcised Gentile, which some say is a Gentile dog. Let's go farther. Twelfth verse. At that time, you were without Christ. You didn't have Christ. You didn't know God. You were aliens from the Commonwealth of Israel. You were a stranger from a covenant of promise. You couldn't know him as Jehovah Rotha. You couldn't know him as Jehovah Nisi because you weren't in the family. He said, having you had no hope and you were without God in the world. Let me tell you all these guys dressed in blue today. That describes you before you came to know Jesus. That's the way you were. You were without God, without hope in the world. At that time, you were without Christ, and you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. You had no hope. Let's go on. 13th verse. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Let's go a little bit farther. 14th verse. For he is our peace. Jehovah Shalom. He's made both one. And he's broken down the middle wall of partition between us. 15th verse. So let's go on down. He abolished in his flesh the law of commandments contained in ordinances. And he's made of two one new man. Making what? He made peace. 17th verse. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. He slain the enmity thereby. 17th verse. He came and preached What? He came and he preached what? To you who were afar off, who were on drugs, who were bound by alcohol, who were going through the process of hurting and harming yourself and your family and you didn't know God and somebody said go to the other side because there you'll learn about God and God said you were way off but now he's calling to you and he's saying I made peace. I'm Jehovah Shalom. There's nothing that separates us. Come on back to the family of God. 18th verse. And through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. I'm telling you today, you and I have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I have communion and fellowship with God. And because of Jesus, he is Jehovah Shalom. I love this next one. I'll tell you what, I could have ran in here last week. Jehovah Shama. I didn't even get to tell Jojo about that this week. Jehovah Shama. Just say that with me. Can you say that? He is Jehovah Shammah. Isn't that powerful? Did y'all feel that? Am I the only one? Do y'all feel that? I feel that. He's Jehovah Shammah. What does that mean, Pastor Brown? Remember I told you that was only used one time in the Old Testament. It was in reference to the temple in Jerusalem in the book of Ezekiel when Israel was in what's called the Babylonian captivity for 70 years, and a small group had made their way and had started start the process of rebuilding the temple. And so, but the majority of people are in uh, Babylon, and the temple is in Israel being rebuilt, and. uh, Ezekiel is in Babylon, and he gets a vision from God about God. And God said, tell my people that my name is Jehovah Shammah. Because God said, you're here, you're in captivity, but I want you to go from captivity back to the homeland. And guess what? By the time you get there, I'm going to already be there waiting on you because I am Jehovah Shammah. I'm the Lord who's there. Woo! I feel that in Jesus' name. Man, that means when you get ready to come to church this morning, God was waiting on you. And when you go home this afternoon, he's going to be waiting on you when you get there. Because he's always there. But I saw something that said, but what about this thing with Jesus? How does that, par- how does that parallel? Where's the correlation? How does that connect? You remember what Jesus told the woman that he spoke to uh, at, at the well? And she said, you know, we worship God on this mountain. She was a Samaritan. And Jesus said, woman, let me tell you, the hour is coming when neither in Samaria or in Jerusalem will they worship the Father? Remember that? Because he said, I'm looking for those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. Y'all remember that? So Jesus was saying, there's going to come a day when God's not going to be there. When Jehovah Shammah's not going to be there. But where's he going to be? Jesus said, where two or three shall come together. Listen to what he said. There I am. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. I'm telling you, a good Baptist church would have shouted over that one right there. He said, God is not going to be worshipped through the means of the temple any longer. But you get two or three that are born again by the power and the virtue of my blood, covered by my name. He said, there's where I'm going to be in the midst of them. And that's why I can tell you today, he is Jesus, is Jehovah Shammah. He's here because he's there. Because wherever you gather, that's where he's going to be at. He's Jehovah Tiskanu. He's the Lord, our righteousness. Did you hear that? He's our righteousness. That's what Jeremiah called him. But what about Jesus? Here's what I, can I tell you a little bit about Jesus for a moment? Jesus' death and subsequent resurrection declared him righteous before God. Did y'all know that? Let me say that one more time. Did you know men unjustly put Jesus to death? He did not deserve to die, right? Even Pilate's wife woke up, and she would taken a nap in the middle of the afternoon, and she went out to her husband and said, have nothing to do with this righteous man, but men unjustly put him to death, right? But when God raised him from the dead, God declared him to be righteous, and so through his righteousness, he's both just and he's the justifier of all who will come to him, so the reality is God is just, and he's declared Jesus as righteous through his resurrection. But you and I were unjust. We were sinners away from God. But when we come to God through faith in Christ Jesus, you know what we are? We're declared to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And in this passage here, he's made us righteous before God. He's made us the righteousness of God, and he's made he is our righteousness in that moment of time. Pastor Brown, I don't feel righteous. I don't care about whether you feel righteous. God declared Jesus righteous. And if God declared Jesus righteous and you're in Him, then you are declared righteous in the eyes of God. Come on. Well, I can, we've been preaching about that for a long time, and I've got to skim because I've got to get you to one finality here in just a moment. This is just a skimming over the surface, isn't it? But I promised somebody last week when they walked out of the door. They said, Pastor, well, what a word. They are really encouraged. I said, get ready because the, the next week's going to be even better. And I'm holding back right now because it's gone, the word. I'm telling you, he's revealed himself through his name. It's a more excellent name. It's a name that we honor and reverence today. He's Jehovah M. Kadesh. What does that mean? It's the Lord who sanctifies you. In Leviticus 20 and 8, God told Israel, he said, I have sanctified you. Now, I'm picturing this in my mind because I'm seeing God in the highest of heavens looking at the multitudes of men and the nations that are on the earth, and God chose one group of people called Israel. And God said, I've sanctified you. What does that mean? I have set you apart. Do you all remember that? I have set you apart. How do you believe that the Israelite people were chosen by God and were set apart by God? you believe that? But here's where we have a, a disconnect many times in our faith. We fail to realize that God set us apart. Let me tell you today, you were chosen by God. You were chosen by the Lord. I've said this many times. I'll say it one more time. I just, you didn't find God. Men, I know you say, I found God at the other side. No, he found you, right? You were the one lost. God wasn't lost. You weren't searching for him. He was searching for you. He just narrowed you in a place where you had stopped running long enough so he could come along and reveal to you that he had saved you and chosen you. So in 1 Corinthians 6 and 11, here's what the Apostle Paul said in Christ Jesus. He said, and such were some of you. And if we had have taken the time to read those three previous verses, he listed some of the most uh, 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 you know, difficult places to be in sin. And he said, and you used to be. Some of you used to be. But now this is who you are. Who are you? What are you? washed?" I don't know about you, I feel I'm clean today. I'm clean because I've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And notice this, let's go farther. And I'm justified in the name of the Lord, right? right? But I'm also sanctified. I've been set apart by God for the purposes of God. Let me just speak. I didn't, until yesterday afternoon, didn't know the men of the other side were going to be here with us today. But let me tell you, what, guys, one of the things that you're going to need to discover about God is that God had a divine purpose for you. And he has a divine purpose for you. And as you discover that purpose, you'll get up every day of your life. And it doesn't matter. You don't have to be the wealthiest of all. You don't have to be the most educated. You don't have to be the most talented. All you have to do is be you. All you have to do is because God loved you, He saved you, He sanctified you, He called you, and He's given you a purpose to live your life every day for the glory of God. There's one thing that you and I can do every day of our life. Every day, no matter what circumstance we're going through, we can live every day to the glory of God. Whether I'm healthy and whole or whether I'm sick and in bondage, I can still give God glory in every season of life that I'm in because I'm set apart for the glory of God. 7 and 8. And I'm going to close on the 8th one. Number 7 very quickly is Jehovah-Raha. Raha. And that's when God. Through the prophetic pen. Of the sweet psalmist of Israel. David. Perhaps as he kept his father's sheep. Outside of the walled city of Bethlehem. It would have been there. That David. Under the light of the moon. Or under the heat of the sun. Would have said Lord. Lord. As I watch the sheep that are my father's, I want to say this, the Lord is my shepherd. So think about that for just a moment. David could have felt vulnerable because he was watching the sheep, but who was watching David? David was watching the sheep, but David still had to go to sleep. David still had to go to rest. David felt fatigue. But the psalmist would later write, He that keepeth Israel shall not slumber and he shall not sleep. And so David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I'll not lack. David said, Whatever I'm going through, even the valley of the shadow of death, behold, thou art with me. Your rod and your staff come. Did you know that this is the world's most recognized passage of scripture, Psalm 23? But to add fulfillment to the prophetic declaration that Jesus is the fulfillment of the compound names of God, Jehovah is my shepherd, in John chapter number 10, what did Jesus say? I am I'm the good shepherd. And let me tell you what he did. He gave his life for you. He said, A thief comes and a hireling flees, but the good shepherd will give his life for the sheep. And I can say with the sweet psalmist of Israel today that the Lord is my shepherd. And I can say this in understanding that Jesus is that good shepherd today. Thank God that He walks with you and talks with you and keeps you. And when you're broken and hurting and wounded and lost, He'll leave the 99 to go find you to bring you back to the fold. And to pour into you healing oil and his divine grace. Jesus is the good shepherd today. Do y'all believe that today? Thank God for Jesus today in this house. I love him today. And lastly. Oh, I feel the Lord today. I'm so grateful for God's kindness, aren't you? I'm so grateful for the, the names of God. And the power. I'm telling you, when you know who God is. You commune with him on a much deeper, more intimate level. Does that make sense? Pastor, let me give you one last example before we go into this final one. Remember when David was about to step into the valley of Elah and fight Goliath? Do you all remember that? Do you remember what David said prophetically? You see how important the names of God are, the name of God and the compound names of God. He said this, as, as Goliath roared against him. And as the Philistines mocked Israel because they sent out a young boy to face their giant, David said this. David said, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a shield and with a spear. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. (laughs) So the Philistines were trusting in their giant who was trusting in his might and his sword. But young David was trusting in the name that God had revealed to him, the name Yahweh, the God of his fathers. And he said, I'm going to put my trust in the name of God. I know today when you read that story, you know that when the battle smoke cleared, there was a victor that day, and it wasn't Goliath. But it was the young shepherd boy who gained the victory because he was Jehovah Sabbath. He was the God or the Lord of hosts. He said, I put my faith in the Lord of hosts. It means something to know the names of God. It will help you understand because why well, don't you say in that, Pastor? Because every one of you are going to be in a battle someday. Every one of you can go through a trial and you got to know, am I going to be victorious or not? Well, in Christ Jesus, He's Jehovah Nisa, He's your, He's your victory. and God will bring you through it because of who He is. He's revealed to us. And in closing today, perhaps the most prominent of all is this passage here as Jesus is relating and speaking to those men in the book of john's gospel who the men that they believe they know god they know him through the law the torah but remember jesus said this in john 5 and 39 he said search the scriptures for in them you think you have life and they are they which testify about me and so jesus is saying to those that knew the Word of God, search them again. Because if you'll look closer, you'll, be, you'll understand that that Scripture is revealing who I am. And so let me take you into closing. There's one that's perhaps the most famous of the compound names of God, Jehovah-Jireh. He's my provider. And I took you in. To a little bit of that application last week, and I'm gonna close off with it this week. In that passage of Scripture, we call him Jehovah Jireh. That's what many of us know. This passage, where does that come from? And this is the closing point. There's no other, there's no other page of notes to flip to. So this is it. This is the finality. So I want you to catch it because I believe that this is the fireworks. This is like fireworks on the fourth, that we save the best for last. You say, Pastor Brown, what do you mean by that? Well, that passage is so particular to the Jewish people. Even to this day, it is a belief that the temple mount was built upon the mountain that Abraham climbed up the mountain of Moriah to offer his son. You remember that moment in Abraham's life where God tested Abraham? And God told Abraham words that he never thought that he would hear El Shaddai say, and that is, I want you to take your only son, and I want you to go to the mountains of Moriah, and I want you to slay him there. Now, those of us that understand idolatry based upon the biblical narrative understand that God blatantly condemns child sacrifice. He doesn't condemn blood sacrifice, but he condemns human sacrifice. And so but Moses or excuse me, Abraham knows God spoke to him. So he takes his son, the heir, the covenant heir of promise, And he takes a journey with some men, and the men go with him to a certain place, and he leaves them there, and he starts what's known as a three-day journey to the top of Mount Moriah. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again. You have to read this in your own time. But as they're journeying, young Isaac asks the question, and he says, Father, we've got the wood and we've got the fire, but, but where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said this. He said, My son, God himself shall provide a sacrifice. Now let's go with that for just a moment. So on top of that mountain, Abraham gathers rock, makes it into an altar. And there, much to the dismay, and I'm sure Isaac probably was in fear, the father that had loved him all of his life suddenly draws him close and binds his hands and feet with a leather string or rope and lifts him up and lays him on that rock sacrifice, sacrificial altar. And much to the horror of Isaac, he reaches into his cloak and he pulls out a knife. And his hand is stretched out high. And he's just about to start the downward process. And he's going to take that knife and he's going to pierce it deep into the beating chest and into the beating heart of what's called his only son. And just as his hand, now think about that. All eternity is hanging in the balance in that moment. Because there's a prophetic declaration tied to that moment. And so just before that down, think about how long does it take to go here and here? Less than one second. And one second of time before that hand can start the downward motion, an angel of God speaks out of the heavens and says, Abraham, Abraham. Now listen to this. Abraham, don't take your son's life. For now I know that you love me and the Bible says that Abraham had been looking upon the altar but he lifted his eye up and when he lifted his eye up he saw something he saw a ram caught in a thicket by his horns and so you and I when he took that ram and he slaughtered it on the sacrificial altar that day in place of Isaac, we say Jehovah-Jireh the Lord provided. But let's go one farther than that. But if you'll read that word in the Hebrew, this is commonly known amongst the Jews. It's not just the Lord will provide, but it can also be translated, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Because Abraham lifted up his eye and he saw a ram caught in a thicket by his horn. But I came along to tell you today, he saw more than just a ram caught in a thicket by his horn. Because 2,000 years later, Jesus looked to the Pharisees and he said to the Pharisees, your father Abraham rejoiced to, to see my day he saw it and was glad. So in that moment, Abraham didn't just see a substitution for his son Isaac, but Abraham prophetically saw by the eye of faith the day that Jesus of Nazareth had his head caught in a thicket on a cross called Golgotha, a hillside called Calvary. And he said, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and we was glad. And you and I today, we know him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who did provide because on the cross, Jesus Christ died, spilled his blood so that you and I would have an atoning sacrifice that would allow us to know God in fellowship through the Word of his son on the cross what a powerful name it is today shane and the worship team are going to rejoin me on the platform now i want to encourage you today in jesus name let me tell you there's a more excellent name the name of jesus can y'all say it with me today it's a more excellent name and it's given to him by inheritance the name of god prophetically revealed his divine attributes But the names of God have found prophetic fulfillment in the person of Jesus Christ.